Episode 1.0, Some Concepts. Before we begin discussing the cases, I just want to go over some of the larger concepts we'll be dealing with throughout this podcast. None of these really fit into the narrative flow of any of the cases we'll be discussing, so I decided to add this episode for your reference if you don't understand some of the concepts included in any individual episode. First, the common law. This is a concept you've probably heard of before. There are generally two types of legal systems, common law systems and civil law systems. In a civil law system, every law is codified. That means it's written down for reference. Then, when you need to refer to the law, you look at the code. There is no precedence in a civil law system. Common law is the opposite. Laws are codified, but then you have judges who interpret the law in individual cases. Typically, these decisions are written down for other judges to reference. These decisions then establish precedent, which, in certain cases, courts are bound to follow. And that's how attorneys argue in court in the United States. We look for prior cases that may be similar or different from our case, and we use them to show the similarity or difference. You may be surprised to learn that the English common law is technically the law of the land in American courts. Nevada, and to my understanding most states, has a statute which incorporates the English common law as the law, as long as it does not conflict with the Constitution. See the Nevada Revised Statute 1.030. Now is also a good time to go over the common law writs. Writs are directions from a court directing another government official, whether that be the head of an agency or another judge, to perform or cease an action. There are six writs in common law, referred to as the prerogative writs. First, the writ of certiorari. This is a writ issued from a higher court directing a lower court to send them the record of a given case for the higher court's decision or consideration. This is an important one in constitutional law, as the Supreme Court typically receives a request for a writ of certiorari, and then they issue that writ to consider the case. So you'll hear it reported that the court granted cert on a case if they're going to hear and decide that case. Second, the writ of habeas corpus. Probably heard about this one before. Uh, President Lincoln famously suspended the writ of habeas corpus. This is a writ the court issues to a jailer of a prisoner, commanding the jailer to present the prisoner before the court and present the jailer's authority to detain the prisoner. This is a collateral attack on any sort of conviction or term of imprisonment. A writ of prohibition. This is a writ a court uses to direct a subordinate court to stop doing an act which the law prohibits the court from doing. It is usually used to challenge the jurisdiction of the lower court to hear a particular case. We won't discuss this very much, I don't believe. The writ of procedendo. This is a writ by which a higher court sends a case down to a lower court for further proceedings which are consistent with the opinion of the higher court. This writ is no longer used in the United States and is referred to as remand. If you read Supreme Court cases, you will often see the court remand for further proceedings consistent with the court's opinion. We will not discuss this writ in any sort of depth. The writ of quo warranto. This is a writ which directs an individual to present to the court the authority by which the person conducts specific actions. It is very rarely used, and I don't think we'll ever talk about it on this podcast. Finally, the writ of mandamus. This writ literally means we command. It is the court giving an individual, whether it be a government official or another judge, a direction to perform a specific action. We will probably only talk about certiorari, mandamus, and habeas corpus on this podcast. Lastly, there are sometimes many written opinions in a given case. 
There is the opinion of the court, which is otherwise known as the majority opinion. It is known as the majority opinion because, as you could probably guess, a majority of the court agreed that it would be the opinion of the court. This is the opinion which, under the common law, has the written force of law and precedent. There are also concurring opinions. These opinions will agree with the outcome of a given case. However, these opinions will either want to explain a nuance or will disagree with the logic or argument in the majority opinion. Whenever I hear of a concurring opinion, I think of Leonardo DiCaprio's Catch Me If You Can character, posing as a doctor, asking a real doctor if he concurs with the suggested course of action. Many cases will also have dissenting opinions. These opinions disagree wholly with the majority opinion of the court. Concurring and dissenting opinions do not have precedential value under the common law. They do not bind courts in later cases. They are solely persuasive for a court to consider. In some cases, the court may come to what is known as a plurality opinion. This is simply an opinion where there is no majority opinion of the court, meaning not all of the members could agree on a single opinion as the opinion of the court. I can't think of any specific cases we'll discuss at this point which will constitute a plurality opinion, but when it arises, I will discuss what that means and how to interpret it. This podcast will reference important concurrences and dissenting opinions in certain cases. However, I may not discuss them if I find them unpersuasive or just don't want to bog down the episode with a concurrence or dissent that does not end up being influential in any way. In every case, I will mention whether or not there was a concurring or dissenting opinion, but if I find them unimportant, I won't really discuss them. I hope that this background information will help you understand and interpret the episodes to come.